Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Buddhist Recovery Network Podcast. My name is Thomas Valentine. Today we have another recording from the Buddhist Recovery Network Academy. The Academy is a new incarnation of the former Healing and Insight Teaching Faculty. Co-founded by Vimala Sara, Valerie Mason John, and Giles Collins, the Academy has invited some of the leading teachers in the field of Buddhist recovery. On the first Sunday of every month, for half an hour, each teacher will explore the sharp edges of suffering through the lens of the Buddhist teachings. The Academy brings together teachers from different Buddhist lineages and approaches. Themes like addiction, alcoholism, depression, stinking thinking, and compulsive behaviors will be explored through a 5-minute meditation reflection, a 15-minute talk, and 10 minutes for questions. Each month, these teachings are offered freely. We practice the Buddhist teaching of generosity, dana. So please donate, if you can, what this teaching meant to you. Many hearts have joined together to make this happen, including yours. So thank you. And on that note, let me tell you a little bit about our teacher today. Ruth King is an international teacher in the insight meditation tradition and an emotional wisdom author and life coach. She is on the Teacher's Council at Insight Meditation Community of Washington and Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and is the founder of Mindful Members Insight Meditation Community in Charlotte, North Carolina. King is the author of several publications, including Healing Rage, Women Making Inner Peace Possible, and Mindful of Race, Transforming Racism from the Inside Out, and teaches the Mindful of Race training program, which blends mindfulness principles and meditation with an exploration of racial conditioning, its impact, and our potential. Her website is www.ruthking.net. Well, thank you, Thomas. Uh, I appreciate that um, lovely introduction and welcome everyone. I'm glad to be sharing a little bit of time with you on this, um, what just became a very wet, um, rainy moment here in Charlotte, North Carolina, even though it's 90 something degrees. (laughs) So let's begin with just kind of collecting ourselves here together. Uh, I invite you to um, just shift your attention inward. Uh, You can do that by closing your eyes or just casting them downward. And taking a moment just to just feel yourself turning inward and dropping down and making connection with your seat. Feeling the contact at your eyelids, at your lips, contact with your cushion or your seat, your hands, your legs, your feet. And with your breath. (laughs) 
And taking a moment to uh, to arrive, arriving here on this call, the experience of arriving, it's something to be known. So just feel yourself settling right here in this global Sangha. perhaps connecting with the stillness that's here in the body. Just allowing the stillness to be known, to know the stillness in the body and the movement of the breath. We're giving that our priority right now. Settling, arriving, connecting with the stillness in the body and the movement of the breath. Really taking your time being gentle and tender. This heart and body and mind sitting here. Allowing any thoughts and Anything else to just be in the background while you give your priority to the gentling of being here, fully arriving, allowing yourself to know the stillness in the body and the movement of the breath.
connecting with the warmth that's in the body and heart. And allowing that to radiate out in all directions as if a warm hover. Imagine it connecting with all of us on this call as if we were all in the same room. This bringing a sense of appreciation given your choice to be here today to explore this topic. Bringing your curious hearts and minds connecting with others right here. Just allowing that warmth to extend out to the Sangha. be safe. May we be healthy. May we be happy. And may we live with ease. And may all beings without exception be safe, healthy, happy, and free from suffering without exception. So thank you everyone. You can feel free to adjust yourself and, and um, just tune in here a little bit. I've been excited to share with you this uh, um, work I've been doing on mindful of race, transforming racism from the inside out. Uh, this topic, which is um, timely and timeless, it seems, in the world right now, uh, the, the issues of race and racism and how we are uh, connected to this kind of uh, system uh, of oppression. We're connected through being impacted by it and connected through its uh, continuation on some level. So I just want to explore a little bit of this with you because in some ways I see, you know, uh, this race as a heart disease, as a kind of a chronic fatigue, as a repetitive motion injury that's just gone on for generations. And uh, we, could, we could also call it a social addiction, a way that we're just kind of entrapped in a pattern, a constellation, um, 
the conditioning, if you will, that's uh, social and intricate and uh, personal and impersonal all at the same time. Um, I think bringing our practice to this inquiry of racial conditioning is, is really a precious opportunity, especially when you think about the Buddha specializing in suffering and helping us to um, disentangle ourselves from patterns of harm. Um, those of us that are in the 12-step community understand that. Uh, in a very intimate way that it takes a practice, it takes a certain discipline and steadiness and um, focus and heartfulness and forgiveness um, to really work this pattern. Um, so we bring that same attention, that same um, application, if you will, to this inquiry of looking at our racial conditioning. Um, to really see what our part is and see how we can support well-being in the world. One of the ways I like to start talking about this is through one of the Buddhist teachings on the Two Truths Doctrine, where we have ultimate and relative reality. And, you know, I think it's important to hear this context because, you know, like many of us, we can relate to the fact that there's no such thing as race, for example. Uh, that's an ultimate reality um, understanding, if you will, uh, because in ultimate reality, we're not a race. We're not uh, uh, these egos. We're not these selves that, uh, that we think of ourselves often as. Um, but yet in relative reality, we are. We are in these bodies. We are of these races. We are of this conditioning. Uh, we do have these egos. There is the reality of um, dominance and subordination in our relative construction, in our relational field. So it's important to really look at um, how that plays, you know? So, uh, you know, uh, in relative reality, I'm this black woman, elder, great-grandmother, artist, uh, lesbian. I mean, the list can go on, and there's probably a few things on the list that I, I you know, I don't approve of, but, you know, that's how it goes with labels. We get, uh, we get them uh, as a way of navigating uh, and relating to each other. But in ultimate reality, we're none of those things, you see. Yet we need relative reality in order to wake up to ultimate reality. We need these bodies. We need these relationships. We need to understand our conditioning. We need to understand our habits and patterns in order to wake up and, and to glean and to really tap into and touch ultimate reality. So in, in, in relative reality, in this kinship realm, uh, is the realm of belonging. And it's also the, the realm of severed belonging. And we can see this when we look around at the community level, at the social level, at the political level. And we can see the different structures or constellations of our conditioning, especially around race. But we could take any of our identities and see the same dynamic. What we can see is that in relative reality, we're all good individuals. We're all racial beings. We all come from families or caregivers that gave us enough sustenance to survive. 
we've all had traumas, we've all had losses and lusts and loves, and um, we've all suffered. We've all achieved uh, on different levels. So at the individual level, we're all good people, good individuals. But yet there's a group identity, there's a racial group identity that we're also members of. Some of us know that and some of us don't. So there's a collective uh, impact and shape within our relative reality that has momentum. And there's a dynamic with it that is some races, you know, all races are not created equal. I think we know that. We wouldn't, probably wouldn't argue with that. There's dominant and subordinated racial dynamics in relative reality. We can begin to bring our awareness to that and really see where we fit into that and how that helps or hinders harmony in our communities. So in relative reality, there's dominant races, white folks here in the U.S. particularly, you know, are in the dominant racial at a collective level, at, at, a, at a collective level. A lot of white people I know would say, I don't feel dominant, but that's an individual story. At the collective level, it's, it's a reality in our social realm, in our political realm, in our healthcare realm. We can just see this. We can look for ourselves and see this. And there are subordinated races at the collective level. I don't feel subordinated at an individual level, but at a collective level, my people are often at risk. They occupy a large percentage of the prison system, you know, and on and on. We can see what's happening at the group identity level. And when there is no um, understanding of our membership and racial group identities at the relative reality level, uh, then we, we can miss each other in our conversations. One of the dynamics uh, that I refer to as a hindrance in the book is, is the good white individual and the people of color that come into the conversation at the group identity level. So white people come in, for example, as good meaning individuals, people of color tend to come into racial conversations as members of racial collectives that have been, you know, uh, what they have in common is a sense of being oppressed by dominant culture. So when we start having the conversations about race, if white people are talking about good individuals and people of color are talking historically and, you know, habitually and generationally, we, we miss each other. And what needs to be brought into a sense of equanimity and balance is an understanding of our rootedness and our history and how we carry that along knowingly or unknowingly. So, you know, another way to look at um, this, this kind of dominant subordinated dynamic is, uh, or, the, or the individual versus, versus group dynamic is, you know, sometimes I hear people saying, well, all lives matter. All lives matter is the ultimate, you know, reality um, statement. Black lives matter is a, is a, a, a relative. It's, it, it's, it's when we look at the constellations and dynamics of harm, what, are the, what, are, what is the shape of it? What is the pattern of it? What can we see through our own eyes and hearts as patterns of harm? 
So Black Lives Matter is a call for a sense of social equanimity in an imbalanced world, an imbalanced and oppressive, if you will, racial dynamic. So one of the things we can begin to see is, is, is we can begin to open our awareness to not just our individual um, acts, but to the collective movement and shape of, of structure and um, uh, our conditioning that gets played out in relative reality. Sometimes we hear these great statements about, you know, we're all one and we're all one person and all of that's great. Uh, but there's a relational piece that we need to bring ourselves, uh, bring more awareness to uh, in this relative realm. And we all need to do that, I believe. And our practice, uh, our mindfulness practice is really helpful, especially the Satipatthana Sutta, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. It really teach us how to sit with our experiences without turning away how to stay in our bodies and stay with our breath when this topic comes up, how to be with our feeling tone to really see how, whether the experiences we're having are pleasant, unpleasant, are kind of neutral or maybe numb. You know, we get to look at our thoughts and our emotions when it comes to this topic and really see what our what our activity is, whether it's reactivity or going to sleep or numbing out. We get to see uh, when the heart is open and when it's closed around this topic. And then we get to bring different Dharma lenses to examining our conditioning and seeing the hindrances of them and seeing the constellations that get shifts shifted and also seeing when our thoughts are intense and then they lighten up. And we get to kind of see um, who we are in the absence of race and the absence of our fixation and our, and our, um, our convictions. We can see the constriction of our convictions are the way we just can't bear witness to the racial reality that's in our relative realm. And why this is important is because we actually, you know, we can't just spiritually bypass um, this relative reality and think we can just be in this uh, kumbaya, happy ever after life without really examining the ways we walk in life and how we're relating to harm and harmony, what our contribution is. So I wanted to just offer that. I mean, an, another structure, and there's so much to say in, <laughs> in 15 minutes. But I just wanted to offer um, maybe these simple things of, of uh, yes, there's ultimate and relative reality that we're operating in in our practice. Yes, we are racial beings. We're individual beings, and we're also part of racial collectives. And we need to really look at our membership in both of that, both of those groups. 
and how the group uh, collective then rose up into institutional uh, laws and practices and norms and what's considered socially appropriate. We can really begin to bring our practice and drop the, the, the wackiness of racial distress right into the heart of our practice and um, be curious instead of critical about what's there. And I want to thank you for joining me uh, in this exploration and uh, may it continue in, in ways that really support you. May we continue to bring full awareness to our racial conditioning and how it contributes to harm and harmony. Thank you. Sending out so much love to Ruth for that talk. Thank you. Check out her book, Mindful of Race, for more on the subject. Our next Academy talk takes place May 5th. You can hear the talk live on your phone, laptop, or tablet. Ralph Steele will be our guest teacher. Check out BuddhistRecovery.org forward slash Academy to find out more. May all minds and hearts awaken to the possibility of recovery, compassion, and peace. May all learn to embrace change and uncertainty as part of life's fullness. May we give freely and wisely all that we have been given. <laughs>